Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. The essence of purpose is formless and timeless. When we cling to the form of the purpose, we're blocking the flow of nature, we're blocking the flow of life. So I started doing coaching and retreats, mostly with women, and I was calling them life reboots, right? And at that point, it was really just focused on transition. The retreats were focused on all the things that I had learned that helped me de-identify with an old self, release myself into this void space, and have the patience and trust and courage to step into the unknown. Really, it's an inner inquiry of like, where am I moving from? Am I really moving from a true impulse? Or am I moving from this like ego programming of success and achievement and doing things? Pain being personally activating information. So it's not a bad thing to feel pain. It's actually information for you when you feel sensitive to something that is touching you on a deep level. This like coming back to economy and relationship being conjoined, right? Not separate. It's not like I have my personal relationships and then I have things that I buy. It's this consciousness about where we put our money energy and having that actually be very tied to relationship, right? That's where we create a sense of safety. Wendy May is a regenerative purpose guide, conscious business coach, and human experience designer. A Harvard alumna with a graduate business degree from UCLA, she started on her purpose path in 2015 after leaving a 15-year career in corporate leadership and organizational consulting. Through her writing, speaking, private coaching, and group retreats, Wendy now supports others in purpose alignment so that we can create a world of work that works for everyone. She recently published her first book, introducing a new paradigm of purpose work called Regenerative Purpose, the dynamic nature of the way we choose work. You can find her works online at kaistara.com. Getting to interview Wendy May was a treat. I didn't really know anything about her before the interview because when I was on an island doing you know, a lot of deep inner work, I was recommended to her just as someone who runs workshops and teaches on purpose and just wrote a book around shifting paradigms of purpose. And I think throughout our interview, a lot of what Wendy said really stuck with me in the sense of how she comes from a very westernized intellectual background, you know, being a Harvard alumni, a business school graduate from UCLA. She's able to really process things intellectually and distill them to their essence with words in a way that is very, very special. But I think what makes Wendy extra talented at what she does is she's able to go beyond just the intellect and look more into kind of her heart and soul center and teach people how to look into those like inner inquiries to see where you're moving from and to look into pain and look into you know the suffering you've been through and give yourself a reboot from the core. And I think that her own journey of purpose is really admirable and I think she is someone that can really guide people into a very meaningful journey of purpose. I'm really excited for where she's going with this project. She's so young in what she's doing right now. When you're publishing her first book, she said I was the third podcast she's ever interviewed for. 
So I think she has a very bright future ahead of her, and it was just really pleasurable to get to interview her. I got to share in the interview experience with my really good friends and becoming more and more of a partner in People of Purpose, uh, Phil Loudon, who asked a few different questions throughout the interview and really helped to guide this process. So thank you for him as well. And with that, I hope you enjoyed this episode with today's person of purpose, Wendy May. Hello, Wendy May. Hi. Thank you for joining Phil and I here in Koh Phangan, Thailand. We're on a beautiful island in a beautiful space. Here to talk about your book, Regenerative Purpose. The way I've been able to meet you has been so serendipitous. Just got out of my ayahuasca ceremony with Phil day or two before and we went into ceremony and we were sitting with a bunch of healers at, at our table over there so I found out about you it happened because I was talking about people of purpose I just feel really aligned with this interview and I'm really excited to see how you can kind of shift my paradigm and perspective as a person and then also just really feed into the, the lives of the people that are on the other end of this interview listening I know the world really really needs purpose that's very clear to all of us here. And I want to understand more about your sense of purpose and how your ideas of purpose are what our generation kind of needs. Thank you for taking the time to be here and open up your voice to us. Really, really appreciate you. Thanks for being connected to the magic that brought us together. <laughs> as I was looking at your website and as Phil was looking at your website, just wanted to start off with opening up space for you to kind of elaborate. You write about how the objectification of purpose as something to seek has mm. become outdated and dissatisfying. Can you please elaborate yeah. on what this means and how you've come to understand that? Yeah. It's interesting because um, purpose is such a buzzword now. Huh? Purpose is kind of trendy. Yeah. It's sort of an in thing, just kind of like mindfulness or consciousness or some of these other um, concepts or ideas that were once more kind of a fringe thing have now become mainstream. And I think that when things expand in their reach, sometimes the, I don't know, the original intention can be diluted or distorted sometimes. And I think that that can happen or has happened with purpose. And when I say the objectification of purpose. What I mean is this whole self-help industry, which of course, like it's very complicated because I'm part of it. <laughs> um, so in, in a way it's a judgment on self, but I think that there's a fixing or healing or helping that we're constantly like trying to improve ourselves in some way. You know, it's like when we're trying to get out of the ego, we're back in the ego again, trying to get rid of the ego. And it's just it's like this endless loop. Right? Yeah. So the same kind of dynamic happens with purpose, I think, where it's like, there's a seed of this idea of purpose that's very pure and very sacred. And it can also be hijacked by this like not enoughness and kind of materialism and consumerism culture of, you know, even language that we use to talk about purpose can be really telling, right? So there's a lot of coaches, guides, mentors, healers, teachers out there talking about purpose. And, you know, we've adopted this kind of way of talking about purpose. Like it's something that we need to find, something that we need to figure out, something that we need to discover or that we need to diagnose or even that it's some kind of secret soul imprint that was like encoded in our DNA but it was somehow hidden from us and we need to like do this whole process to mentally figure it out right yeah. there's a seeking behind it whether it's an external seeking where you're, it's a goal orientation around kind of 
you know, working with someone to figure out what your single purpose in life is, or there's an internal seeking of like, oh, there's this like hidden aspect of myself that I've lost touch with and I need to find that, right? Either way, external, internal, there's this seeking energy around it, right? So this is what I mean by the objectification of purpose. And the way that you see this come up is that there's almost shame about it, right? It's become like the new money status power where someone could potentially like, this has happened to me before where people will come up to you and be like, so what's your purpose? And if you don't have like a pithy little, like, you know, boilerplate statement to respond to that question, there's almost a shame of like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know what my purpose is. I can't just like tell you in an elevator speech or like, I don't know right now, or maybe I don't have one or, Ooh, am I supposed to have a purpose? Or the humility of I'm figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So it becomes, this is what I mean. It's like another object of seeking, but it's like a spiritual status symbol in a way of like, mm. I have a purpose. I've got yeah. my stuff figured out. Oh, well, that really resonates with me. Like we're, we're playing these status games when we talk about this. Sometimes the question is now coming from an egoic sort of place versus the whole purpose that we all kind of all share in, which is about things related to making all of us better people in the world a better place and finding more connectivity and finding our tribe and finding our sense of love. Just back to the roots of purpose. I like how you said we, as it's become more of pop culture, we're kind of coming away from those roots. I don't know what, what word to use, like whitewashing maybe? Like we're losing what the true essence of purpose is about. Right. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, when it becomes sort of an ego project mm. of I need to figure out my purpose. Yeah. Because then I'm going to be evolved, right? So then what do you think the true essence of purpose is if it's not an egoic seeking? Then what should it be reading? The way that I talk about purpose is that it's more of a, it's an experience, right? It's not a form, right? So I think we associate oftentimes when we, we have this idea of we need to find or figure out our purpose, we're thinking about the form. Is it a business is it a you know project? Is it a podcast? Whatever, right? It becomes the form. But to me, this like deeper purpose, the soul purpose, or what I call regenerative purpose, is about the way that you experience life. It's a way of living in alignment with yourself, but also in a co-creative conversation with the collective. So it's both individual and collective at the same time, and this kind of dynamic process of unfolding the way that life unfolds, right? So it's not a fixed thing. You can have many purposes at the same time and you can have many purposes through the course of your lifetime if we're talking about the form. But when it's really just like the experience of purpose, it's kind of this quality or essence or energy that's always available, right? When we think about it that way, then it's, there's no hierarchy then of purpose haves and purpose have nots, right? It's like actually purpose is, is, right? And we access it or we connect with it or we align with it to different degrees at different moments in time. So rather than a thing that you should be out seeking and looking to find you're saying purpose is just within the essence of actual existence within yourself and that doesn't mean that it's passive right there are things that we do to make our body vehicle available to be in service to purpose like our process as individual human beings in a body it's to basically say I'm available for purpose. And we do that through different ways of inner work. And I talk in the book about four qualities of purpose, which are authenticity, attunement, responsiveness, and receptivity. So in my opinion, and not just in my opinion, but in my experience, actually, when we cultivate these qualities of being our authentic self, being attuned to 
our particular sensitivities to different pain in the world when we're responsive, which means we're moving from love and moving from presence rather than from some kind of agenda or conditioning. And when we're receptive to being supported and guided by the universe, purpose happens. Purpose flows through us when those qualities are heightened or activated or kind of developed in us. So rather than seeking purpose, you should try to be authentic and receptive and available for purpose to present itself within your life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a recognition or remembering and it's formless, right? It can be purpose can be manifest building a company that lasts a hundred years or purpose Mm. can be manifest in smile or a look that you give to someone as you're passing them in the subway, you know? So it's, uh, it's, The essence of purpose is formless and timeless, right? But we get super identified with this like singular fixed notion of purpose, which is, you know, very patriarchal in a sense. It's kind of this like goal oriented, like I know what the goal is. I have this aim, this place I'm trying to get to. And there's a linear, logical, strategic, stepwise function to get there, which is ego, right? It's I'm in control of this, right? Regenerative purpose is much more about I'm part of this, but I'm not in control of this. I'm participating And I'm in the wave, right? I'm a part of a collective movement. I'm not building my own personal empire. What I'm doing is showing up to be part of something bigger than me that's already happening. So in a sense, it's like you recognize that we're all unique, but not special, and that we're all valuable, but that no one is important in the sense that like we're doing it together. And there's this interdependency, right, of this like collective movement that's happening. And it's like, you know what, you can kind of drop the responsibility of like being a savior because what purpose wants to have happen is going to happen with or without you individually. Mm. But what you can do for your own activation and enlivened experience of life is you can choose to show up and participate in that. So it's like the flow is happening. You can either step into it or you can stand apart from it, but purpose is happening. This is a great reminder for kind of the challenges we face today in this age of like higher speed means higher quality or higher leverage or scalability of our purpose. It's good to step back into this like flow mindset that you talk about. I know in your book you shared about how there's been changes and challenges about today that force us to have a, a new lens of purpose. Could you share about some of those? Yeah, it's... um. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of pain and devastation and I would say renovation happening in the world right now as old structures crumbling and new things coming through and this kind of new paradigm, right, that we talk about emerging and it's not an easy birth. You know, it's quite difficult. Yeah, I don't remember where I was going with that exactly, but I guess it's just the idea that this egoic concept of purpose is very much a man-made construct, right? And so part of the process is coming back into harmony with nature, right? You can see evidence of how we're so out of touch with nature and that Mother Nature is kind of speaking up now to say, hey, you know, that's not okay, humans. We need to work together. So with what's happening in the world today, I think that the shift in purpose from being this egocentric individual badge of achievement needs to become more this collective movement and also become cyclical and regenerative. And so the idea behind regenerative purpose is that you don't have this like, one fixed purpose that you like figure out what it is and then you have it for the rest of your life and you identify with that and that's part of who you are and you wear it as a a badge but that forms of purpose can be born and die within the lifespan of a human being so i would say like we've moved out of the phase of humanity where it was common for people to have a purpose form 
that lasted beyond their human lifespan. But now the speed of evolution is accelerating. So the form of purpose naturally, in many cases, I think will be shorter than a human lifespan. So that means we need to get better with dying. We need to get better with shedding and letting go and not being attached to the form of our purpose. Because actually, when we cling to the form of the purpose, we're blocking the flow of nature. We're blocking the flow of life because we have such an addiction to perpetual growth. I mean, like a lot of times in business, you hear people say, go big or go home or scale or die, right? It's all about like throwing your Instagram following or, you know, like it's all about big. Especially in the Bay Area where you have been living so much of your time where I just moved from. It's about empire building, right? So like really like we're addicted to perpetual growth and this is like such a Mm. distortion of nature. Perpetual growth in nature, it doesn't exist, right? The only thing like cancer right perpetual growth is a distortion of nature it's cancer wow so we need to actually embrace death more and be able to let go of the forms of our creation and let them regenerate and compost and become the fertile soil for the next creation when the form the purpose form has a shorter lifespan than your human life you need to like have an ego death with each letting go of the form of your purpose that's mind-blowing the way you talk about like the death becoming the compost for your next form of purpose i love that can you have do you have an example from your life which purpose was like that I mean, it's happening right now with the book, right? So, I mean, this is another dimension of regenerative purpose, which is that it's a trick, right? There's a paradox to it. When we get really deep into like wisdom in a sense, like nothing really makes sense and everything contradicts itself. So I'm sort of in this process now of dying myself with the book and de-identifying with it, which is funny because here I am doing a podcast interview with it. But since I published the book in October, we're now sitting here in January, three months later, I've done almost nothing with it. So I'm learning and practicing what I'm preaching and teaching in a sense of really allowing this like winter phase to bring me to a place of stillness and emptiness and sitting in the void of I'm no one, I'm nothing. I don't have a business. I don't have a project. I haven't had any clients. I haven't had income for 15 months. It's this really letting go of like waiting for the true impulse, waiting for the movement from the universe to guide me into what's coming next. And Mm. it's interesting because the serendipity of our meeting is this true movement that's starting to happen without any effort from me. Three podcast interviews have landed in my lap over the last two weeks. (laughs) That's not a coincidence. No, no way. From zero effort on my part. So this is like actually happening in my life in this moment. Like this podcast is part of this coming back into this, a new phase, right? Like I finished the book, I published the book, I put it out there and I was kind of like, okay, what now? I'm not going to push from my ego of like what I need to be doing with the book or promoting it or whatever. I'm just going to wait, wait for a sign. That's exactly how I've been with People of Purpose podcast as well. I founded People of Purpose podcast to share the stories of inspiring people who I believe will help our listeners to see things differently and take the necessary leaps in their lives to seek and find their passions. It is very joyful to know that there are many people and organizations out there who share the same vision. Today, we are very ecstatic to tell you that today's People of Purpose episode will be sponsored by Podcorn. A big shout out to the platform in helping us take a step further and inspiring individuals to realize their purpose and passion. For those of you who haven't heard of Podcorn, well, it is a marketplace where podcasters like me find sponsorship opportunities with different brands. 
It is amazing how the platform has been offering countless opportunities to the podcast community without compromising ownership rights, transparency, or creative freedom. The best thing about Podcorn is it's very easy and simple to use. No need for these complicated how to set up these and that manuals. You know what I mean, right? It is also open to podcasts of any size. So if you're wondering that you only have one or two episodes, it's time to shake that off. You are welcome to use Podcorn. To our listeners who are starting out already running their own podcast and are in need of brand sponsorship, you can check out Podcorn at www.podcorn.com. That is www.podcorn.com. You can also check out my notes for more details. Again, a big, big thanks to Podcorn for sponsoring today's episode of People of Purpose. Let's go into your life a little bit more. You obviously have a lot of wisdom around purpose at this point. I'm assuming you didn't necessarily have this when you were a little girl. You also went to Harvard, which is a brainiac sort of place. How does someone go from you know, Harvard to 15 months without income, writing a book and teaching self-help classes in, in an island in Thailand? Take us through that whole spectrum of your journey as it relates to your sense of you know, unfolding all the forms of your purpose. I mean, it's funny because I, I didn't know that I was all about purpose until like it happened. Like, I think I was kind of in that flow without really having a name for it for quite some time. Really what happened to me was I was on the program, you know, go to a good school, get a good job, make a lot of money, buy a condo in San Francisco, be super successful, right? Have all the things. And I got there. I had all the things. I'm a director at this big deal consulting firm. I have an amazing condo in Pack Heights. And it felt really empty. I felt really like, what was the point of all this? You know, like, I'm not happy. I'm like not a happy person. I don't actually appreciate all these things that I've acquired or achieved or accumulated. And I had a kind of a crisis of, I've put so much energy into creating this life you know, I talk about this in the book as a fake plant life. You know, this idea that's like super shiny, looks perfect on the outside, but there's no life in it. Like, I don't feel alive. I feel completely numb and dead and unfulfilled, right? So it was a crisis moment that made me kind of just like up and leave everything, right? Left my job, left my family, like took off traveling. And I was like, so cliche, right? Like I took off to go find myself or whatever, right? So... And then I just started, without realizing it, living in this way where I was just responding to the call. I wasn't from an idea of what I wanted to build, pushing for something. I was really just responding to what was showing up in my field because I didn't have an attachment to like, I'm going to do this next. I'm going to be that next. I'm going to create this identity. No, I had really nothing. Yeah. And people started asking me for advice and for help who were basically former versions of myself who were in like corporate jobs where they didn't feel fulfilled. They're making tons of money, but feeling like, wow, like there's so much pain in the world. And I want to do something to help heal that, to contribute to that, to make a difference. And like, I don't know how, I don't know how to make a shift. I don't know how to make a difference. So I started doing coaching and retreats, mostly with women. And I was calling them life reboots, right? And at that point, it was really just focused on transition. The retreats were focused on all the things that I had learned that helped me de-identify with an old self, release myself into this void space and have the patience and trust and courage to step into the unknown. So that was the process of the life reboot. At the time, I didn't call it purpose. I didn't understand that until I was looking in the rearview mirror five years back 
of like, actually the theme here, what this is all about is people feeling purpose in their life. Yeah. I'm going to offer Phil the space now to talk a little bit. I know that the angle I seem to take as a default is kind of what you're in right now, which is like make something that speaks from your heart, that's a creation and wait for the next sign of what, what to do about that. Phil kind of comes from the opposite angle, which is take lots of action, make lots of things happen. He's been running a, in many senses, a successful online business or businesses. And now he's in his transition of becoming more aligned with his purpose. So I think it's really special to have him here today because there's a lot of people that are on the other end of this listening that are probably more aligned with Phil's modality of, of moving through life. I want to just offer him the space to like learn from you around these topics. Yeah, thanks for that preface. Yeah, I find this very interesting. This is kind of an area that I've kind of been dancing along in the recent months of like that difference between massive action and allowing for your destiny to kind of come and find you. And for me, it's quite a, a challenging problem in certain regards because there's deep parts of myself that wants to go and just create, create, create. And also I kind of, at this stage, I feel that by surrendering and allowing for your destiny to find you, you can achieve the same thing as if you force it. It might be a lot more of a flowing towards your purpose and destiny rather than a forceful creation, which can oftentimes be, be painful and involve mistakes. Yeah. So kind of hearing that, that different perspective, because so you've been kind of sitting and waiting for the next step within your purpose as well. Yeah, it's a balance, I would say. I mean, I think that I don't want to kind of throw out completely the value of direction and commitment. I think that, you know, we can talk about this from a more like high level perspective of just like there's a lot of vilifying of masculine, right? Toxic masculine, shadow masculine. We talk about these things about like, you know, breaking down the patriarchy and things like that. But there are healthy aspects of the masculine that need to be integrated, right? So it's actually good to have clarity. It's good to have direction. It's good to have commitment. But I think what's happening both within this microcosm of the purpose world that we're talking about, but also in the larger context that that's happening in, it's just a reflection of that, of coming back into balance with the feminine, which has been pushed aside and all of that, right? So I think that it's not to say that like you just like surrender and like you do nothing and like you wait for stuff to happen. Like you also, this is the thing about participation, right? So like from the outsider's perspective, nobody really knows if a movement is coming from force and ego or authentic, true impulse. Only you can know that. That's why it's an inner work journey, right? So people can judge you from the outside of being too forceful, too, you know, pushy or whatever. That's probably their own stuff, right? But like, really, it's an inner inquiry of like, where am I moving from? Am I really moving from a true impulse? Or am I moving from this like ego programming of success and achievement and doing things, right? Yeah, this is really interesting. So I recently read a book by Michael Singer called The Stranger Experiment. Have you heard of this one? No. It's basically about this guy who wanted to go into the woods and just meditate and be a monk. And things continued to happen in his life. Opportunities came up. And he just said, at first they would annoy him like he was living in the forest. Some ladies started living there in a tent. And he was like, you know what, just surrender to whatever life throws my way. Yeah. And all he wanted to do was meditate. An opportunity came and he would just surrender, surrender, surrender. 
for some reason or another, you end up programming computers. He really enjoyed that. And he really started to build kind of upon that. And by surrendering to whatever life threw his way, he ended up building what turned into be a billion dollar company. Yeah. I literally just by all he wanted to do was meditate. He surrendered and surrendered and surrendered and life was something in his way. And so what I think is interesting though is because he was so aligned and enjoyed the process of that programming so much, it turned into what ended up being a billion dollar company. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to the whole idea that you can't escape your destiny. Yeah. So like, don't worry about it, you know, because you, you can't escape what it is that you are actually meant to do. Yeah. And then I think it's another interesting point about the, the, the balance that you spoke about because he wasn't seeking it and he wasn't forcing it, but he found something came into his life that he felt so much alignment with that he enjoyed the process so much that it blossomed into something bigger. Yeah, you still have to take action when the opportunity comes. Yeah, but it's also aligned action. So exactly. it feels so it doesn't feel like you're forcing it or you shouldn't be doing it or you have to like drilled into yourself, you know, something that you just enjoy. Yeah, and you don't feel depleted from it then. Exactly, exactly. It gives you energy rather than takes away the energy. Totally. What's been your surrendered experiment? Like going along with Phil's example, like has there been a point of your life where you've said, you know, there's too much going on. I need to take a step back and go insular and go build my tent in the jungle and work deeply on myself. And then how has that kind of transformed into what you're doing now? It's now such a part of my life that I can't even name to you one time because it's something that I do often, right? After a big cycle. I mean, after I finished this book and published it, my next action was to go into a darkness meditation retreat where I didn't have exposure to light and I was completely alone in silence with no other humans. Basically like the closest to death that you can get while still breathing is what I chose to do after the book was done. For for how long? Five days. Okay. You had no shaman or guide or anything like this? Just me. Just me and my scary thoughts. And (laughs) Incredible. Do you remember what came up during that time? So many things. I couldn't even tell you. It's like, yeah, I mean, you're really out of time space in that situation. You really go deep into meeting yourself, which, I mean, there's some really ugly things to see. Mm -hmm. And there's also super bliss as well. You know, both are coexisting in that. And yeah, intense cleaning, you know? So like I had, I went into this darkness meditation retreat and then I was fasting. You know, I was basically like cleaning my system on all levels to let go, right? To let go of identity with the book for a year. And maybe thinking like, okay, it's done. Maybe no one's going to read it. Maybe I'm never going to promote it. And that's okay. I'm going to wait to see what, if anything, I'm supposed to do with it. Yeah. You know? So how was the the version of Wendy after the book was finished? How was that aligned with the version of Wendy that kind of gave birth to the book? When you started writing the book, I'm assuming there was a part of you that felt compelled to write it, that you needed to share these things. And then you you went through the work of, of writing and writing and writing. And then at the end, you talk about how you need to let that form of purpose die. And you went into the dark. Was there still alignment with the Wendy at the beginning? Or had you totally shifted into a new version of Wendy? I mean, we're all changing all the time, huh? So for sure, when I first started the process, there was a lot of resistance. You know, it was one of those things where it was a choiceless choice. You know, it really felt like I had to write the book, even though my ego didn't want to, because my ego was like, you don't know what you're doing. That's not going to make any money. You're probably going to fail. You know, all of these things, right? But it was one of those things where the space was cleared for it. 
my last coaching client terminated or graduated, as I like to say. My retreat that I had planned fell through because of a logistical issue with the booking that I had. I was, you know, at the end of a relationship. So all of these things kind of cleared. Like there was basically no excuse not to write the book. So I fought it. You know, there was the, a part of me in the ego that was like kicking and screaming going into it. I'm like, no, I don't want to write a book. It's too much work. And like, mm, you know, this kind of thing. And I surrendered to that. I was like, yeah. okay. And then I made a commitment, actually. I, I flipped to like, okay, if this thing is going to come through me, I'm going to give you a year of my life. I'm going to give you that much space in which I'm going to protect this container of my time and energy and allow you to come through. So I'm giving you this, a year of my life. Do your thing. Right. And then when it was done, I was kind of like, okay, contract is finished. I can get back to my quote unquote normal life now. I can start making money again. I can start having clients and whatever. But that just wasn't the reality. You know, after I finished publishing the book, it was like, I really need to go through this death process because for a year, people have been asking me, what is it you do? And my answer has been, I'm writing a book. Right. So I had to go through this like kind of. Yeah, letting go of that yeah. part of myself in order to feel truly like, does the book want me to still be involved in its life or is it, it's good without me? Right. It's like an infant or is it a teenager? It's like, can it move out of the house now and like have its own life or do I still need to parent it a little bit, you know? So I feel like we've been more on the like advanced stages of the purpose journey, which is really beneficial for people that are kind of more in our shoes and that have been seeking and and kind of unfolding, peeling back the layers of their purpose. I wanted to take a little bit of time now to step back into like more of those beginning stages of that metamorphosis and kind of speak into the lives of people that maybe get tastes of purposeful immersions and engagements, but for the most part are really in the whole loop of what we call the rat race or what we call school or, you know, these sort of things. Like, yeah. How can we take some of these concepts of how to transform and transgress through our purpose and ground them for people that are maybe younger in their pursuits of purpose? Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing that I would say if I was sort of, you know, taking the posture of giving advice is don't make it a project. Stop trying so hard, right? The first step, in my opinion, is just to make space. I mean, this is what I did when I left my job and like, and it doesn't need to be even that dramatic, right? Like maybe you're not in a position to leave your job, but make space, right? Because we get so caught up in our routines and our loops and our like, I just, you know, maybe one night a week, don't go out, stay home one night a week. It can be that simple. Like there's so many degrees of freedom that we have generally that we don't recognize and we don't exercise no matter what your life circumstances are, right? So like a lot of people will say like, oh, but I have to, you know, pay my student loans or, you know, whatever reason. Like I have three young kids. Like there's so many different limitations that we have on our time and energy. But I would say we waste a lot. We waste a lot of time and energy because we scroll Facebook or we like go out all the time and whatever, do things to distract ourselves from our existential pain. So if you are actually just intentional about making space for that, sitting with that, being in that pain of, wow, I feel really restless or I feel really helpless or I feel like the world is falling apart and like, I don't know what to do about it. If you can just make space to be with that, trust life, things will start to show themselves to you. Signs will start to come. Opportunities will start to come. Meetings and coincidental connections, mm -hmm. right? They start to come. The first step is always just to make space. So, so really to make space to 
to truly feel whatever it is that's going on underneath of the conscious mind rather than, I guess, distract yourself by going out or being busy all the time, which is an easy trap to kind of fall into. Exactly. Just get out of your habits and routines for a second because creative emergence happens in these moments where we're not doing the thing we always do. You know, whatever your addiction is, whether it's social media or alcohol or casual sex or fancy dinners or weekend trips to Vegas, whatever your addiction is, look at the things that you're spending time and energy on and see where your addictions are actually hijacking the free space where this creative emergence could come through, but you're actually not allowing it to. I mean, I think Phil would resonate with this right now because, I mean, he's been mentioning to me almost every morning that uh, having a morning ritual to run through before you start going into your phone and before you start going into your work and how, how much he's transformed by doing that for just this week. Yeah, it's so nice. I've been doing like the morning ritual stuff for quite a while now, several years. It has this ability to open up that space at the start of your day when all those vibrations of work and stress and life have kind of died down. You've just woken up from a period of rest and slumber and it's like time to rebuild again. What am I going to want to build today? And having that space to just like sit with your heart and your mind and your energy, not try to like transform a negative thing into a positive thing right away or take productive action all the time. It's just sitting and feeling and being is what actually is the strategy to then open up all the things that can unlock your purpose. Absolutely. It sounds so simple, but it's actually so huge. And I don't mean to trivialize it because what I'm suggesting is actually super hard to do, actually, because the reason why we distract ourselves by staying busy is because it's really painful, right? When we actually sit, it's like, wow, like feeling that pain and being still with it, it's not an easy thing. And if at a certain point it requires you to throw yourself into the unknown towards a new venture, that's also a very challenging and fearful thing to have to go through. Super scary, huh? Like everything in our ego resists that because we think that we're going to die. Like our survival Mm -hmm. mechanisms kick in and we're like, I can't do that. Yeah, I definitely understand this. I'm at the point where now I'm cutting off my source of income, cutting it off to realign with something that's more purposeful. And so it's really stirring myself into the unknown. That's bold, huh? Where that that leads. It's taking time though as well. You know, it wasn't like an easy decision. It was something that I realized through unhappiness and stress and other things that like, okay, what I'm doing now is not serving my highest potential, my highest purpose. And I need to stop it because it's not serving the world either. Yeah, very wise. (laughs) Hey guys, this is your People of Purpose podcast host, Tanner Badgley. Would you find value in receiving a very short email every other weekend that helps you grow on your path to purpose? The People of Purpose newsletter, or POP for short, is an email where I share with you the most interesting things I've recently discovered, have been thinking about, or implementing into my life to help you more purposefully pursue your purpose. It will include a short story, some words of wisdom to help you be more purposeful during your day, and an update on how the last guest has inspired me and how they can inspire you, too. So, take a small step of action right now by sending a quick email to peopleofpurposepodcast at gmail.com, letting us know you would like to receive the POP newsletter. Just include People of Purpose newsletter in the subject header, and you'll receive the very next one. Here's to becoming People of Purpose. Yeah, and going on to the lines of the morning routine as well, how much of a difference it has made, you know, it's such a small thing, like 
turning off data on your phone for going to Steve. And I say from the perspective of I, you know, like when I start turning off the data on my phone, I'm no longer waking up to messages that are immediately taking me into this stressful or reactive kind of environment. But I'm giving myself space to stretch in the morning, to do some stretches, do a guided meditation. As soon as I wake up, glass of water, cold shower, stretching and meditation before I turn my phone on. And that it just feels so much more pure and calm. And I feel like the rest of my day is taken on a lot more calmer by just doing these small little steps. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast, digital minimalism, right? Mm -hmm. How to use media instead of letting media use you. It's a toughie. Yeah. (laughs) That's the the very big subject as well. And one that's also very, very challenging. And we say that also as we're creating a digital podcast. Like it's it's funny how yeah. But this I would say is, is conscious. It. It's it can yeah. be conscious use of media, right? It's like finding what feeds you, not what drains you, right? Yeah. And intentionally engaging with you know these are amazing tools like Facebook and Instagram. It's an amazing way to connect, right? We would have never connected if it wasn't for Facebook. For sure. So yeah. there's positive in that, but then it's like the flip side, the dark side of that is like not them spending hours sucked into you know some black hole, right? Yeah. And then that's one that I struggle with as well, because I mean, so these platforms are addictive and figuring out how to manage my time that's spent on these different platforms. Yeah, you have any advice to that? This is the quality of attunement that I talk about is one of the four qualities that unlock purpose. And attunement is just as much about saying no to things as it is to understanding what the messages are that are actually resonant with you, right? So I talk about the idea of pain being personally activating information. So it's not a bad thing to feel pain. It's actually information for you when you feel sensitive to something that is touching you right, on a deep level. And to be aware of what is personally activating information versus just triggering information, right? Because a lot of this like sensational news media around the apocalypse, right, all the different faces of the apocalypse that we see, it's just a way of like having our nervous systems hijacked so that we're then addicted, right? So a good test is to see is there an action that I can take with this information? In that case, it's productive pain. It's personally activating information versus just this nervous system hijacking that happens, right? Which is just, you know, profitable for Facebook, but not so profitable for humanity, probably. Yeah, and I mean, a good thing to think, for me, social media is the big one. And, you know, they're literally made and designed to be addictive. They have people from Las Vegas, you know, from the biggest casinos in the world working on making these platforms more addictive. So figuring out how to kind of separate from that. It's pretty challenging. (laughs) I've had a couple of podcast guests talk on this topic when I used to live in San Francisco. I mean, they make the point when you go into Facebook, you're up against an army of PhD neuroscientists yeah. that have designed things in a way that you're not even aware that they've addicted you, that they've captured your attention and that you're sucked in until you're drained. And then you, it's that drained feeling that makes you go away. <laughs> and that loop that we live in is But you know hard. what? It's amazing, actually. It's amazing that this technology exists because we're aware of it. We're aware of the mind control techniques and strategies And it's actually a catalyst to accelerate the evolution of human consciousness, right? For us to stay ahead of the robots that we've created that are brainwashing us. But it's like, if we can be conscious of the brainwashing and have a little bit of distance, be that observer and the witness of our own mind control, then we win. Like I can be wandering around a shopping mall in Kuala Lumpur and like be looking at all the ways that my energy and my attention is 
totally taken in by all these messages of not enoughness. Like you need this face cream to get rid of wrinkles. You need this dress <laughs> yeah. to look more sexy. You need this new gadget so that you're, you know, more in touch with the latest technology, like all these things. And it's like, yeah, I feel that impulse. It's like, oh my God, I want to buy that. But then I can also watch myself and be like, oh, this is what's happening, right? And to have that moment of pause where you don't get sucked into it. And to just realize like, at these profound moments where you're in nature or you're in meditation or you're in lovely relationships and just realize I have enough. I don't need that gadget to feel enough. Exactly. And I think people know that at a subconscious level, but it's hard to be aware of that. I think that might be what you're talking about with the responsiveness component of unlocking purpose versus like reactivity. Is that yeah. kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, responsiveness yeah. to me is about, it's what I'm talking about when I say the true movement. It's the movement of love, of presence, which when we're present, we're, we are basically the manifestation of love. Like that's what humans are. We have been programmed, right? By society, by culture, by family, by education systems, by the economy, by the social media overlords, right? We're programmed by all these different yeah. forces. And so responsiveness is actually taking your sovereign power back apart from all of those influences and say, no, I choose. I choose. I am the master, the mistress of my time and energy, and I choose. So I know one of the antidotes to this whole conundrum around getting lost in just isolation with technology is like this concept of building tribe. And I know that this is deeply resonant with Phil and for me more and more as I explore these concepts. And I noticed in your book, chapter 11, it's called It Makes a Village. Can we talk about tribe a little bit here? Yeah, it's a huge part of it. So I wanted to read this quote real quick that you wrote up here that's just beautiful. Um, it's from Pope Francis. And it says, The rivers don't drink their own water. Trees don't eat their own fruits. The sun does not shine for itself. And flowers do not spread their fragrance for themselves. Living for others is a rule of nature. I mean, that's regenerative purpose to me. It is this idea that we're not building personal empires for our individual benefit. We're participating in a collective movement that is benefiting everyone, yeah. right? That there is a co-creative field where the sum of one plus one is three. We're actually creating more. Doing a podcast interview is one of those, an example of that, right? Yeah. So like, this is benefiting me, it's benefiting you, it's benefiting everyone, right? There's more than the sum of its parts. And it's just an egoic delusion to think that we do anything of significance by ourselves. We all need other people, right? Mm -hmm. Invisible and unseen forces and sometimes, you know, quite obvious like collaborations and partnerships to help us manifest what we want to help us create what we want and like when you look at the acknowledgement sections of my book which is this section on it makes a village there are literally hundreds of people with whom this book would not exist yeah. i did not write this book i was the shepherd or the steward of the book i was the book's mama but like there were 226 people who gave money on kickstarter for this book to come into form there are dozens of people who I interviewed, who gave me advice, who gave me technical support, who gave me different dimensions of things like Miriam, who connected us, who edited the book, right? She's one of the people that is part of this tribe, right? It was actually a community creation. This book was created by community for community. Yeah, Phil, can you talk a little bit about tribe? I think that this concept of tribe is spoken about in, in closed circles still. It's circles like this that so we all kind of get it. But I don't think it's really taught out there in the K through 12 school or in, you know, the corporate work world. Like We're taught the opposite, actually. You know? <laughs> yeah. We're taught to, like, take care of yourself, take care of me, myself, and mine. Yeah. And make sure that you're self-sufficient, independent, don't need anything from anyone else. Get your own car, get your own house. 
it's the opposite, actually. Can you talk a little bit about what tribe is for the listener and then kind of go into the values of it? Yeah, well, I mean, it goes back to it takes a village, right? And I think that's like a very good starting point to why tribe is important. It's about having the most nurturing ecosystem and breeding ground for growth, for learning, family. It's everything, you know? It is that kind of ecosystem. I think it's the best way to put it. It's an ecosystem for the growth of ideas, for the growth of project, mm-hmm. for the growth of children, for the growth of connections as well. And I, and I just think like, what's the point of purpose if you don't have anyone to share it with? You know? And I think that that's like another just really, really important part of piece of the puzzle. It's reconnecting relationship with economy. Money is energy. So where are you putting your money? Who are you paying for what services? What's their story? What are their values? Where are they spending that money? Right? It all has an impact because we've, you know, tribe, right? When we lived in tribal cultures, like your exchange was with a relatively small group of people who you knew face to face and who, you know, would come take care of you if you're sick or give you food if you need it. Like it was personal. We've gotten really far away from that because of this global economy of like the faceless, nameless factory workers in Bangladesh that are putting together my iPhone. I've never met them. I'm like 17 steps removed from them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of this like coming back to economy and relationship being conjoined, right? Not separate. It's not like I have my personal relationships and then I have things that I buy. It's this consciousness about where we put our money energy and having that actually be very tied to relationship, right? That's where we create a sense of safety. Wow, that's interesting that the word you choose is safety for that. What do you mean by that? When we don't have tribe, I feel like we are spending a lot of energy to defend ourselves against threats, right? To really come back to this idea of tribal culture. Part of the tribe is about belonging, but it's also about protection, right? It's about this idea of we're all in this together. So if there's a drought or there's a flood or we have a shortage of food or somebody's you know baby is sick or whatever, we're all in this together. There's not this me, myself, mine priority. It's actually we're very aware of the interdependence of beings. We're kind of coming back to that, I think, realizing that even though a lot of the things that we touch and feel and use in our life are connected to people that are very distant from us in physical location, that there is this web of interconnectivity that it's not separate, right? If that factory worker in Bangladesh is suffering and working in horrible conditions, actually, I might think that I'm separate from that, but I'm not. I'm going to feel that, right? When there's a tsunami that wipes out this island because of climate change, I'm going to feel that. Nobody is escaping from that. collective empathy. We're all in this together. This is a feeling of tribe, right? So the safety comes from this idea that There's nobody who is succeeding at the expense of someone else suffering. Like, we're all in this together. And I think that's what feeds into greater purpose as well, is that feeling, you have the starting point that we are all in this together, that your purpose is going to be that much larger. It's not just for yourself, for your unselfish reasons, but it's for the betterment of all humanity, for the betterment of the global tribe as one also. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, purpose cannot, by definition, be just for yourself. It's not purpose then. So as we start to like come into the end of this interview, I'm not exactly sure how to end it because I could talk about this for so long. But one thought I have is maybe you could kind of share how you end your book without giving away spoilers or whatnot. What is kind of the way you, you wrap this concept up? How do you package this in a way that has closure? I imagine that would be very hard when you're writing a book. Yeah, I actually end the book with an invocation that I received from someone that I interviewed, which to me is very poetic because it comes back to this idea of like, this is not my book. 
you know, it's a little bit of acknowledging all of the contributions that came into the book, but also to end it with an invocation, which is, it's, it's ultimately a prayer and it's a request, right, to call people into participation. You know, I, I like to say that you don't need to look for your purpose. Your purpose is looking for you and we need your participation. We need our participation. I mean, maybe I can even just read the invocation from the book. This for is sure. closing. Maybe that's a nice way to end, huh? If you feel lost at this moment in your life, or you don't have any idea what purpose means, or you don't feel that you found your purpose yet, don't worry about it. It's very normal to be here right now. Many of us have been here. It's a good place to be because it's inviting you to self-inquiry. It's inviting you to step out of all the conditioning and programming that you have accumulated over the course of your life. You should know that all your life experiences are bringing you to where you are right now, and they are motivating you to explore different paths. But also know that these experiences do not define who you are, and they definitely do not define what you are here to do. You have the full potential to explore an infinite amount of paths without any kind of limitations. This exploration is a joyful, creative, inspiring process. It is a process full of fun and also full of setbacks. It's a journey of ups and downs. But when you really choose, when you make a decision, when you commit yourself to this journey, the treasures that lie in front of you are beyond what you can imagine. I truly wish this for you. I wish that you find the same sense of meaning, excitement, and beauty that I experienced today in my life. I embarked on this purpose journey eight years ago, and I surrounded myself with people who had the same questions. We traveled together. I now see that all of us, those who deeply committed themselves to the process, are now living in realities that would have been beyond their wildest dreams when they started. You should also know that this is a non-stop inquiry process. I still ask myself the same questions today as I asked myself eight years ago from time to time. The only thing is, the clarity of the answers is increasing. The response that I get from the universe is that what I'm doing is exactly what I need to be doing in every moment, and it is magical. We're so blessed. Yeah, this is from Dan Gorder, who is one of the guys that I interviewed for the book, and actually he also is really into this question about tribe. He does mastermind groups called Tribepreneurs. Maybe we can get him on the podcast one day. Yeah, exactly. See, this is what I mean about one plus one equals three. <laughs> Thank you so much. What's next for people? Like, if someone's listening to this and they're like, wow, Wendy has it. Wendy has what I'm looking for. How do they come into contact with your book and your work and there any services or products that you would like to promote right now? I mean, I would say get the book. It's available on Amazon and Google Play and Apple Books and pretty much everywhere you can get ebooks. You'll find the links. The website is just regenerativepurpose.com. That'll also take you to my personal website, just kaistara.com, K-A-I-S-T-A-R-A. Yeah, I am in a phase now where I'm starting to work more with people one-on-one again and opening up to that. I don't have any retreats planned at the moment. I love doing this work of basically sitting with people who are in this process of purpose alignment, right? Being with people who are in this question. Thank you so much for sharing. Such a privilege to get to meet you. I had no idea you existed before a few days ago. Even like booking the podcast, I had no idea what I was booking. (laughs) (laughs) Life is so magical that way. Yeah, I just went with the feeling that this feels purposeful. This feels aligned. Like 
someone that had a look in her eye about the recommendation was just enough for me to trust that the divine is speaking through this interaction. Thank you for listening to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Encourage anyone that's listening to see what the divine is saying to them right now. If it's telling you to grab onto Wendy's book, definitely go for that. Anything you want to say, Phil? Yeah. And uh, to build on that, just leave the space for the divine to speak to you and prepare to speak for you as well. I think that's a really great, great takeaway. And just to, to open up that space for, for yourself and for purpose to find you and to speak to you. Thank you for speaking into us today, Wendy. Thanks. And thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you. So what actionable step are you going to take next? Do you have a lingering question? Or is there something we can help you work through to figure out and reach your purpose? People of Purpose is here for you. Just send us an email or a message on Facebook. If you want continued inspiration, subscribe to the podcast and soak in the stories and words of our insightful guests. Do you have any friends that might enjoy this podcast? Bring them on board as a podcast subscriber. And if you want to actually see the guests behind the voices, as well as receive daily inspiration, follow the podcast and journey on Instagram at People of Purpose Podcast or at People of Purpose on Facebook to join our purpose-seeking community. By joining, you will know the minute each new episode is published, hear first about upcoming People of Purpose news, and receive regular tidbits of inspiration. I'm purposely perusing, pursuing, and pondering. It's simply a regular dose of goodness, intentionally filtered by me to nourish your path to purpose. Lastly, if you like this podcast, please post a review wherever you listen to it. Doing so will not only help us to grow, but will also allow your voice to be heard and who knows who you could inspire. Cheers, and here's to becoming.